Well, good morning, church. Uh, for those of you who I haven't met, my name is Clement. I'm one of the apprentices here at Grace Point as well. Um, please join me and bow our heads as we pray to our Heavenly Father. Lord, we come before you. Uh, we desire to hear your word. And so, Father, may your spirit move in our hearts to receive your word by faith. Lord, we come to the most important paragraph within uh, the book of Romans. And Lord, it is it is something that just amazes us beyond anything that we can ever imagine. And so, Father, pray, Lord, that you may open up our hearts to be prepared to receive the wonderful news through our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. So when I worked as a teacher, there was a time where I had an argument with one of my kids. Uh, it was basically about his assessment task. Um, well, in, uh, basically he failed, right? He failed by a few marks and he was arguing with me over this one question that he was sure he got right. He didn't. And so it got a bit heated, right? Like, and, and afterwards, after calming him down, I asked him, hey, what's, what's going on? Like, why are you so worked up? And so he told me the reason why he was so worked up was because of his parents. His parents expected him to do well in this assessment task. And now that he has failed, he's actually quite scared that he's disappointed them. He had failed their expectations, and he doesn't know what they will think of him. And I'm sure you and I can relate, right? No matter who you are in this room, we're all surrounded by expectations. You know, at home, some of us are expected to be good children, right? You know, study hard, clean after yourselves, never talk back to your parents. Uh, well, at work, we are expected to be good employees, hardworking, diligent, productive. And in our relationships, you know, especially our friendships, we are expected to be good friends, you know, always available, always listening, always affirming. And so everywhere we go, there are expectations on us. There are expectations on our behavior, on our performance, on our character. And so now some people can, you know, they thrive under these expectations. But if you're like me, sometimes these expectations crush you. Like everything is fine and well as long as you meet them, right? Like, you know, model, husband, loving friend, perfect employee, superb leader, whatever it may be. But... When we fail, when we are rejected, the whole world collapses. We feel worthless. Yet from today's passage, there is hope. We have given a promise that even if we don't meet expectations, we're not defined by them. Our failures will not prevent us from being accepted. And so again, we're looking at Romans chapter 3, verses 21 to 26 today. And per your outlines, um, the following points will guide your understanding of the passage. Firstly, we're looking at the crushing reminder. Secondly, we're looking at the scandalous rescue. And thirdly, we're looking at the freeing response. And regardless of who you are, let me invite you to meet the God who meets you where you are and brings you where you need to be. Come with me to point one. Now, just as a bit of a recap, last week, Dr. Peter Jensen helped us understand that before God, we are all hopeless. There is a crushing verdict on our heads. No one is right with God. Against God's law, everyone scored poorly. That's what we learned last week. And so standing before him, we have nothing to say, nothing to our defense. And if that's the end, 
yes, we're doomed. But thankfully, there is more. So turn with me to your Bibles and have a read of verse 21 with me. Verse 21, it says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness of God has been made known. You know, we've actually come across this term before in Romans chapter 1, verses 16 to 17. The righteousness of God in this context, it actually means to be in right standing with God. In other words, it is a legal status that tells us where we stand. It tells a person that relationally, they are right with God. So instead of being told that they are rejected, it tells a person that they are fully accepted. That's what the righteousness of God means. And here's the thing. You and I, in this room, we want the status. We want it. Because you and I have a fundamental need. And that is to be accepted. To be validated. And you know how we do it? The one way we do it, the one way we feel accepted, the one way we get acceptance, is by trying to meet other people's expectations. It's a natural thing. We do this at home, we do this at work, and we do this within our relationships. And I want you to notice, the more important that person is, the more bothered we are by their expectations. So as an example, you know that those of you who work, think about this. One day, um, your co-worker, like someone who's around the same level as you, they come up to you and say, hey, brother, you, you suck. You're poor, you're like, you've been performing so badly, you're, you're terrible, man. You're not meeting expectations. And you might go, who are you? Dude, like, who's this guy? Like, like, who are you? You're not my boss. You don't tell me what to do. I don't live by your expectations, right? And you, it's easier for you to dismiss them. Why? Because they're not important. But what if one day you're the CEO of your company, your boss, calls you into the office and actually tells you, your performance sucks. Now, that hits differently, doesn't it, right? It hits differently because we know the more important someone is, the higher their expectations. And the higher their expectations, the more crushed we are when we fail. You and I know that that is the reason why we're bothered by the expectations of those who are important to us. You know, it could be your boss, sure, but it also could be your friends. It could be your parents. It could be your children. Like, we, the moment we meet our expectations, we feel accepted. We feel good about ourselves, but the moment we fail, the moment we hear them say, I'm disappointed in you, everything falls apart. Everything breaks up. And if that's the case, friends, shouldn't we be more bothered when we fail God's expectations? You know, the creator and the sustainer, God is holy and majestic, infinite worth, infinite value. He is greater than anyone you can ever imagine. And his expectations? Love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as you love yourself. You know, we're called to treasure him with all our being, and we're called to love sacrificially. We're called to be selfless, not selfish, but... How many of us actually give him two seconds worth of our time and then we move on to other more important things? How many of us are more concerned about our own welfare, our own leisure, our own comfort, while we neglect those who are in need of love? You know, friends, our status before God is clear. 
It's summed up in Romans chapter 3, verses 23. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us have missed the mark. All of us failed his expectations. And before God, we are drained of any hope that we can be accepted by our performance. And so let's step back and think about this. You know, like when we hear this, we feel crushed. And, you know, the world doesn't want to hear this. And so how do we tend to respond? There are two general ways that we respond, right? We can respond either by getting rid of all expectations, right? Like someone might say, there's no standard we need to live by. Everyone's free to live however they want. And now it seems pretty attractive at the start. But then what if someone treats you badly? What if someone mocks you? All it takes is for someone to treat us terribly to be reminded that expectations do exist and they matter. Or we might say, oh, you know what? No one has the right to impose their standards and expectations on other people. Everyone should decide for themselves what those expectations. You measure to your own expectations. And again, like, it, it, it's, it's, it seems attractive, but given time, we too fail our own expectations, don't we? How many of you stuck to your New Year's resolution to lose, your, uh, lose weight, to go to the gym? How many of you actually stuck to it and never failed? We fail our own expectations, and that's why it doesn't work. And then there is the opposite response, right? So we talked about getting rid of all expectations, but then there's the opposite. We do our best. We try our hardest to meet all expectations. Be the best person you can ever be, right? Stick to your devotions. Follow the Ten Commandments. Don't watch porn. Don't drink alcohol. For sure, you know, like these seem easy to do, and some of us are able to do it. Some of us in this room are able to do it well. And so there are weeks. There are weeks where we feel good about ourselves. There are weeks where we feel proud. There are weeks where we feel like we're on top of the world, that we're accepted. But here's the thing. All it takes is one slip up. One tiny slip up and you're back to square one. And here's the thing. Maybe some of you in this room are feeling that you're meeting expectations, that you are able to hit everything right. But here's the thing. Just because you're meeting expectations somewhere doesn't mean that you're meeting expectations everywhere. For some of us, Just because we're ticking the boxes at church, turning up, meeting other people, doing our devotions, being caring and loving, just because we tick boxes at church does not mean we tick boxes at home. And so friends, if our performance record is what stands between us and God, if that's the only thing that stands between us and full rejection and full acceptance, then I want to confess something we're never going to make it. And for someone like me, who is a slave to people's expectations, it makes me exhausted. I'm sure many of you can relate, right? Isn't that why for some of us coming here today, like coming to church right here, right now, that's the hardest thing that you can ever do. You know, we we spent years like ignoring God. We spent years living life our own way. We spent our weeks being told how we fail as an employee, how we mess up as a friend, how we mess up. We're not good enough as parents. 
and we are a failure as a child. We spent weeks being told that. And because of that, coming to church becomes another reminder of how we're not good enough. And friends, that is why it is so important that we come to our second point, the scandalous rescue. Because you and I, when we fail other people's expectations, you notice, right? They treat us differently. We might get ignored. We're told that we're a disappointment. And we're thrown away into the reject pile. And standing before God, before this holy, righteous God, having failed his expectations, we assume that we'll be treated the same way. But friends, if that is how you feel, I want you to pay close attention. Because if you look carefully, you will see that God doesn't respond the same way. Read verse 21 with me again. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Here's what it means. God has made a way for us to be accepted by Him. God is not waiting for you and I to meet His expectations. You know, he, he's not waiting far off at, the, at a distance, his arms crossed, looking at you. He's like, oh, look at you, how you struggle. My goodness, such a disappointment. He's not looking at you like that. No, our God, he runs to you and meets you where you are. He meets you as you are. And that is not all. The perfect record that you so desperately need the perfect record that you worked so hard for, the ultimate validation and the acceptance you've been wanting your entire life, that status that tells you that you're worthy, God gives it to you. God gives it to you and he gives it to you freely. He gives you the righteousness that you need to be right with him. And you might be thinking, wait, really? Hang on. Like, How, how, how can God accept us just like that, right? Firstly, is that even fair? Is that even fair? How can people get accepted without earning it? And secondly, didn't you just tell me that everyone has failed God's expectations? Aren't there consequences for failing? Because if God just overlooks our failures just like that, wouldn't it mean that those expectations were mean, meaningless to begin with? Come with me to verse 24 to 25. Verse 24 to 25 reads, All are justified freely by His grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of His blood to receive by faith. Friends, here we have our answer. The only reason why God is able to justify accepting us the only reason why he can make us right with him is because someone has met all his expectations in our place. And not only that, but someone has also fully paid for our consequences for not meeting them. God is able to accept us freely because of Jesus. You know, Jesus is the only being that truly loved God perfectly. He is the perfect friend. He is the perfect worker, the perfect child, the perfect husband that you, can, you and I can never be. You, you and I don't hold a candle to Jesus in terms of what he's done. 
Yet Jesus, despite deserving all the recognition in the world, he gives us his perfect record so that you and I can be fully accepted by God. And it doesn't stop there, right? The, the record that shows our failures, the list that tells us what we owed God for failing his expectations, Jesus paid it all. And no, he didn't pay for it through money. He paid it with his life. On the cross, his blood was shed so that the punishment we deserve for failing is fully satisfied. Church, I hope you see why the cross is such a great scandal. It's not just a scandal like back then, it's a scandal even now. Why? Because the scandal of the cross is this. When we trust in Jesus, we are treated as though we have met all of God's expectations while he is treated as though he has failed all of them. Let me say that again. The greatest scandal of the cross is that we are treated as though we have met all of God's expectations while he is treated as though he failed all of them. That's the greatest scandal. The innocent takes the place of the guilty. The perfect takes the place of the imperfect. The faithful takes the place of the failures. Never in history has there been anything like this. Yet here it is. Our performance record, stamped, perfect. Our record of debt, stamped, paid in full. Why would God go so far to treat his son this way? Why would Jesus be so willing to be treated this way as well? Well, we have our answer in verses 25 to 26. It is to show his justice even as he justifies those who trust in Jesus. In other words, it is to show how high God's expectations is that Jesus had to die for it, but also to show how merciful he can be so that we don't need to die for it. Our God is so great, so holy, so perfect, but yet even in his perfection, through Jesus, he came to love failures like you and I. He doesn't wait for us to meet his expectations. He meets us where we are and brings us where we need to be. In order to make us right with him, he, d- he didn't offer another, expectation, uh, another set of expectations. He didn't offer another set of expectations for us to meet. He offered his son. He offered his son on the cross. That's the scandalous rescue you and I need. It is the good news that you and I so desperately need to hear. And so come with me to our final point as we look at what this means for us. Now before we look at what it means for us, I want to make this clear that it does not mean that all expectations disappear. You know, like just because God treats you as though you've met all his expectations, it does not mean that you stop being a faithful child, stop being a faithful worker, and stop being a faithful husband, wife, whatever it may be, right? Like, I sincerely hope that no one walks out of this church like today and say, oh, you know, today I went to this church at Grace Point, and basically the preacher told me that, you know, I'm free of expectations. I can live however I want, right? No. Well, if you do, like, just tell them the name of the preacher is Elliot Koo. Right. No, no, that's, expectations do not disappear. But it means two things. There are many other things, but it means two things for now. One, it changes what we bank on to meet God's expectations. Like, imagine with me. At the end of the road, everyone will come face to face with God, 
Everyone's going to hear that final verdict as to whether or not they're accepted. And so as you stand before the ultimate king and judge, to be accepted, you have two choices, right? Choice number one, you can bank on your own merit. You can bank on your own efforts. You can open up your list, your resume of like things that you've done, and you can say, oh, cool. My resume says that I've been a good person all my life, never skipped a day of church, I always look up for the poor and needy, I avoid porn, I avoid alcohol, I give, a lot, give away heaps of my money, I should be good, right? You can keep listing in your head, hoping for the best, my friend. But when you measure yourself against God's expectations, how can you be confident that you've done enough? Oh, well, but, okay, sure, maybe I haven't done like, as much, but I'm, I'm not as bad as Pagan Clement over there. Well, sure, maybe. But here's the thing. There's always someone who's done way more than you. There will always be someone who is better than you. And so, friends, your list of things that you've done is not going to give you the assurance that you need. So, you can either bank on your merit or you can bank on Jesus' merit. You can say to yourself, you know what, this list, this resume that I have, completely worthless. I'm just going to like chuck it away. This, this is garbage. This is dung. It's not going to get me accepted. God has already offered to accept me by giving him, me his son. Jesus has earned my acceptance. So why am I still trying so hard to prove myself? Jesus has already accepted me. Friends, before God's expectations, we're drained of all hope. Remember? Like, that's what Dr. Jensen said. Like, before God's law, we're drained of all hope. Why? We're drained of all hope so that we can anchor on a better hope. We're drained of that hope because we're anchored on a greater hope. A hope that is found not in what we do, but in what Jesus has done. And so it changes everything, right? It, secondly, it changes the way that we face any sort of expectation in life. Because friends, tonight, you're going to sleep well. You're going to be like, oh, you kiss your children goodnight, or you kiss your parents goodnight, whatever it may be. And you're going to walk into your week, and your boss is still going to expect you to perform. Your parents are still going to expect you to do well at school, at uni. Your family is still going to expect you to be faithful and love them well. And guess what? You're going to fail. There's a point that you're going to be failing. But if you know that through Jesus you're fully accepted, you are free. Those expectations no longer enslave you. Your successes and your failures do not need to define you anymore. If the God of the universe loves you and accepts you, then no one can take away your worth. doesn't matter what anyone says. You no longer need to live by people's acceptance, nor do you need to die from their rejection. You don't need to feel bad if people don't recognize your efforts or appreciate your contributions. Instead, your motivations change. You no longer meet expectations to prove your worth. You meet expectations in order to please the one who gave his life for you. You meet expectations in order to love 
and serve. Ask anyone in this room who is married. You know, the world tends to see like marriage as this like kind of like jail, right? Like this prison. Oh, you're an idiot. Like why why would you tie yourself down to someone? Why would you tie yourself down with someone and you try to live by the expectations? Be free. Be single. But those of you who are married know this. When you deeply love someone, you don't see their expectations as a burden. Instead, you see their expectations as an opportunity to make them smile, to make them feel loved, to make them feel valued. So isn't that the same with God? If we are already fully accepted by God, His expectations stop being a burden. Spending time with Him in His Word stops becoming a chore. Praying to Him becomes a joy. Coming to church becomes something that you look forward to. Why? Because all of this becomes an opportunity to show your thankfulness and your love for Him. So church, let me speak to three groups of people today. Maybe you're someone who's scarred. You know, you're scarred from trying to meet people's expectations, and you're scarred from failing all the time. And so every day you try to put on a mask, you pretend that you have everything together, but deep down you feel worthless. Today you came to church, wondering if this will become another reminder of how you failed. But if that is you, I want you to see that the cross gives you freedom. You don't have to feel insecure or afraid, because when you come to Jesus, there will be no rejection. You are no longer defined by your failures, but you are fully accepted and loved by Him. Or maybe you are someone in this room who is self-sufficient. You know, you are confident in your own life, you, your own abilities, and you're banking on them to be accepted. If that is you, humble yourself, please. God is reminding you today that you can't save yourself. Not even close. Don't bank on your own merits. Don't bank on your own efforts. But bank on the merits of Jesus. Depend on Him to be accepted. And maybe you are someone who is a skeptic. You're unsure about this God. You know, like you're, like you're not even too sure whether you can stand before Him because you know your past. You know your failures. But friends, I want you to know this. Even though I do not know your story, I do not know all the things that you've done, but God does. God knows it inside and out, but even the parts that you try to hide from everyone else, but God has made a way for you to be accepted. He doesn't need you to get everything right. This is an invitation to trust in Jesus, the one who meets you where you are and brings you where you need to be. And so two points to ponder for today. Point number one, what, what expectations do you face daily? Is it expectations at work? Expectations at home? Expectations from your friends, your family, whatever it may be? And how does it make you feel? You know, are you the sort of person who thrives under expectations or are you the type to be crushed by them? Have a think about that. The second point to ponder, knowing that God makes a way for you to be right with Him or to be accepted by Him, how does that transform the way you face His expectations? 
Friends, whoever you are, we no longer bank in our merits. We can't. Instead, we trust in Jesus so that to the scarred, he brings us to greater peace and joy. To the self-sufficient, he brings us to a place of dependence. And for the skeptic, he brings us to a place of faith. Let me close by sharing. Recently, uh, when I was doing my Bible reading, I chanced upon a passage in Luke chapter 10, verse 20. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me. Luke chapter 10, verse 20. And the passage reads, However, do not rejoice that the spirits are subject to your name, but rejoice that your name is written in heaven. Now, in the context, like Jesus is actually speaking to his disciples, the disciples are excited. They're, they're ecstatic. Oh, look, look at all these like, good, great things that we're doing. We're casting out demons in your name. We're doing these miracles. We're bringing people to faith. Oh, how amazing are we? And that was the context that Jesus spoke to them. Because Jesus doesn't want the disciples to bank on their merits to feel accepted. He wants them to bank on his merit. And so that was a passage that gave me a lot of comfort even as I prepared the sermon on the greatest paragraph of them. Because I feel the temptation to bank my acceptance from you guys on my performance. I bank my acceptance on being a good preacher. I bank my acceptance on being able to deliver a good sermon. But this passage, God spoke to me and reminded me that I should not rejoice on my abilities. I should not bank on my own efforts, but I should rejoice because my name is written in heaven. And so friends, I don't know where you are today, but when you go to work, keep being the best worker you can be. When you're at home, Keep being the best husband, the best wife, the best son and daughter, the best whatever you can be. Keep doing this. If you're a leader, lead faithfully. Do your best. But rejoice, do not rejoice that you have met expectations. Or do not despair that you have failed expectations. But rejoice that your name if you're in Christ, that your name is written in heaven because of the one who meets you where you are and brings you where you need to be. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for your scandalous rescue. The perfect takes, place, takes the place of the imperfect. The faithful takes the place of the failure. That, Father, we do not need to come before you in fear of rejection. Why? Because we're not banking on our own merits, but we're banking on Jesus' merit. So, Father, thank you so much that you do not cross your arms and wait for us to meet your expectations, but you came to us through Christ. You came to us. You met us where we are. Broken, disappointing failures. And you bring us where we need to be fully accepted in your arms. So Father God, I want to pray for those in this room who are feeling crushed by expectations, either from their work or from their families or whatever it may be. Father, by your Holy Spirit, seal the truth into their hearts. Remind them not to rejoice that they've met all expectations, nor despair that they've failed all expectations. Help us rejoice that our name is written in heaven through Christ. 
because of the one who meets us where we are and brings us where we need to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.